Just be okay with not having a plan and just let time do its thing. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Arty Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession, snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. Hope everyone's doing well. It's been a while, and I have some exciting news that I guess I'm teasing right now, but it's dropping at the end of the month, and I've been working on a special project since early January that kind of came out of nowhere, and I'm just so excited. It has to do with the podcast, but um, Sports Arty Snippets is going to be just a little bit more than just a podcast, so... Stay tuned for some announcements later this month, but just wanted to put that on your radar that something is coming and I'm just super excited. And I'm also super excited for this episode today. Emily Burgess has such an incredible career path, super motivational in her journey. And Emily talks all about how to break into the field and how to gain experience working with eating disorders in sports because as a lot of you know, it's it's very difficult. Um, and she kind of walks you through if you're an early practitioner or you're a student that really wants to work in this space, it's definitely possible. And Emily just hopefully will inspire you all. So just super excited for the episode today. And before I go into Emily's bio, we talk about this in the episode, but make sure you register for the Female Athlete Conference, which is in Boston, all about the female athlete. Emily will talk all about it, but the link is in the show notes, and it's an incredible conference. I went in 2019, and I heard it's only bigger and better this year. So yeah, just super excited. Emily completed her bachelor's degree in dietetics at the University of Connecticut, where she competed as a Division I tennis player. She went on to obtain her master's of science in nutrition and food science and completed a dietetic internship at West Virginia University. She is also a board-certified sports dietitian specializing in sports performance nutrition and eating disorders in athletes. Emily began her dietetic career at St. Elizabeth's Medical Center in Boston as a clinical dietitian and then accepted a position at the Cambridge Eating Disorder Center as a registered dietitian. Emily has worked at Home Base, a Red Sox foundation, and Massachusetts General Hospital program, where she provided nutrition support to veterans and their families. Emily has also spent time as a clinical nutrition specialist in the Division of Sports Medicine and Female Athlete Program at Boston Children's Hospital and as a registered dietitian at MIT Recreation. She recently completed a sports nutrition fellowship at the University of Washington through the Gatorade Sports Nutrition Immersion Program, SNP, in Seattle, Washington. Emily currently serves as a sports dietitian for Brown University Athletics, Laura Moretti Nutrition, and is an exhibitor chair for the 2023 Female Athlete Conference. Let's jump in and let's meet Emily. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to have you on. What's going on in your world? So I am at Brown full time. Um, so my day today is a non-clinic day. So I'm just kind of getting projects and stuff done and 
couple meetings here and there, but um, yeah, not too bad today. Yeah. Is the weather nice there? I forget. We're like in New England together. I know. I mean, we're, we're on Zoom guys right now, but like you're pretty close <laughs> right now. It's really nice, you know? Yeah. I would, I would say it's a classic New England week of like people were wearing shorts on Wednesday and then yeah. back. We're thriving up here. Right. I know. So I feel like everyone's in a good mood, like the weather. Yeah. Can't go wrong. No, can't um, go. I'd like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. I think this is how we met, but Emily, was it when you came to UConn, did, were you like, do you want to get lunch? Because, well, yeah. Emily, do you want to explain you're an athlete at UConn? Yeah. What that backstory was. Right. Yeah. So I, I remember that was, I think it was back in like 2017 and I had like just oh my God. I was started like working. Yeah. It was like, I think you were a couple, like maybe it just started at UConn and I obviously was trying to break into the field and like you went to my alma mater. So I was like, just wanting to reach out and connect with you. Um, and I came to have lunch with you at UConn and we went to the union. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think we just kind of stayed in touch and then I know you knew Laura. So just kind of those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so funny. I feel like I was so young. That was a long time. It was a long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> How far we've come. But yeah, I'm so excited for this episode today. Before we kind of get into it, can you take us to your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I grew up in Mystic, Connecticut, was an athlete pretty much my entire life. Um, and then kind of getting into high school, really just kind of focused in on tennis. That was kind of my primary sport. Um, and then I ended up getting recruited to play at the University of Massachusetts Amherst for my freshman year of college. Um, so I was there for freshman year. And then I ended up uh, transferring to UConn to play on the team there um, starting my sophomore year. Um, so UConn is where I did my undergrad degree. So bachelor's of uh, nutrition. Um, and I also was uh, played division one tennis there for about a year. Um, I ended up uh, letting division one athletics go after about two years and just kind of became a normal human being um, for my last two years, which honestly, I'm kind of grateful for getting a sense of both um, from my lens. And then um, I graduated in May of 2015. Um, I then went on to West Virginia University and did a combined master's and dietetic internship program. So that was about two years. Um, first year was mainly courses, master's courses, things like that. And then going to the second year was more dietetic internship. Um, that was kind of my first initial exposure to collegiate nutrition in sport. Um, so I worked with the sports dietitian there for a couple of weeks, just getting a little bit of exposure there. Um, I ended up graduating in May of 2017. Um, and I knew I wanted to get into sports like right away. Like after that experience, I was like, this is where I see, where I see myself doing. Um, I ended up passing the RD exam in July of 2017 and really just kind of took that summer and then also early fall of just networking like crazy and applying like crazy. I wanted to get up, up to Boston. That was kind of my goal was to try to move up there. Um, friends, um, uh, boyfriend was up there. So that was kind of my goal. So that was kind of my initial exposure to a couple of things. Um, I found the female athlete program for the first time during that summer. I ended up connecting with Laura Moretti, who is now my longtime friend and boss. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Meg, who used to be the former Harvard sports dietitian. So really just kind of found a lot of really great mentors during that time, um, faced a ton of rejection, right? Trying to get that yeah, first break job into a big major city was tough. Um, I ended up locking in 
a per diem clinical dietitian role at a small hospital um, in Brighton, Mass. So St. Elizabeth's Medical Center. Um, oh God, I live right next to it. That's hilarious. Oh, no yeah. yeah. Um, so I was there and that was basically thanks to a former boss that I had. She was one of the oncology dietitians at that hospital. And she basically got me in, got the interview and ended up getting the job. So that was kind of my first break as a dietitian into, into Boston. Um, so I was per diem. So I came on in December of 2017. So I was working like crazy because everyone's taking holidays off. I was like, this is going to be great. I moved up to Boston and then January rolls around and they're like, okay, Emily, you can work like two days this month. And I was like, okay, well, I need rent. <laughs> I need money. Right. So I was kind of like, okay, well, I have to kind of pivot now. So I kind of went back to um, some of my mentors again, and I ended up applying to um, the Cambridge Eating Disorder Center for a full-time dietitian position there. Um, the pay definitely wasn't great. So I was a little bit hesitant, but at the same time, like I, there was, there was nothing else. There was no sports opportunities at, at, open at the time. Um, I needed money. So I ended up taking Laura's advice, which I think she's talked about on the podcast before of if you want to do sports nutrition, particularly with eating disorders in sports, you have to learn eating disorders forwards and backwards. Um, so I ended up taking the job. And I basically did clinical and eating disorders full time for about a year. Um, so I would work 14 days, have two days off, do it again for about a year, um, which was pretty crazy. Um, so I was at the eating disorder center for about two years and it's a it was a residential and then also partial hospitalization program. So um, it was um, all female. So the program, the residential program was 24 hour care. Um, so I was a full-time RD staff there. And then the partial hospitalization program is a day program. So I would basically go in one or two times a week, do groups, um, would do consults here and there, but my primary focus really was in that residential setting. Um, saw a lot at that job, <laughs> um, was definitely a very, um, rewarding, but, um, difficult experience for sure. Um, so towards the end of my two years there, Laura Moretti actually reached out to me. We had kind of kept in touch over the years and gotten coffee here and there. And she ended up offering me a job at her private practice. Um, so I was her first employee, which was awesome and opportunity. And I really couldn't turn it down. So I ended up starting that, um, towards the end of my two years at the eating disorder facility. Um, I knew I needed a change and just kind of wanted to change. Um, so I ended up applying and getting an offer from a program called the home base program. Um, it's through Mass General Hospital. So basically it's more tactical nutrition. So kind of getting into supporting veterans and their family members in regards to general health and wellness. Um, I helped a couple of people with some like cool tactical events in regards to fueling. So definitely was kind of an interesting challenge. Um, and then also during my time there, I picked up a job at MIT Recreation. So I was kind of more of a consultant there, um, very limited hours during the weeks, but was able to kind of do private practice, the home-based program and MIT. Um, I think it's a pretty common theme that RDs usually kind of have multiple things going on at the same time. So um, it was a good balance. Um, but then COVID hit and it was March of 2020 and home base got shut down. Um, private practice went fully remote um, and started MIT. Um, so home base basically shut down. I was sent home and then I actually was come recruited to come back and actually work at a COVID hospital. Um, so I was at a COVID hospital, a field hospital at the Boston Convention Center for about two months. 
Um, and I was basically like a food service director. <laughs> so something like I had never done before, we had to basically create a food service system for all these people who had COVID in hazmat suits. It was, it was wild. So um, I was there for about two months um, and then got sent back to work remotely for home base. Um, and then Laura actually texted me and was like, like, Hey, like I knew she was pregnant, but she was like, I need coverage at Boston Children's Female Athlete Program. And I was like, done. So I ended up taking that job because I had heard about that program three years ago. I had been dying to get into it. Um, so I ended up leaving home base, which was a, basically a stable job to go work at the female athlete program for about six months, knowing that it was going to end. But I was like, I can't turn down this opportunity. Um, getting to work with Dr. Catherine Ackerman, Meg Keating, and um, all the amazing physicians and staff at that program. So I did that with private practice for about six months. Um, obviously, Laura came back <laughs> um, and there wasn't a job for me there anymore. Uh, they didn't have the budget. It wasn't the right time. So I basically was out of a job full time in January of 2021. Um, and some personal stuff was kind of going on. Um, and I was like, OK, maybe now's my time. I have couple years of experience under my belt. Maybe I can break into sports now. Um, I was getting rejection after rejection after rejection, wasn't getting interviews. I'm like, I don't know what else I can possibly do. Um, so I ended up connecting with a couple of just like, obviously Laura, Meg, and then I ended up connecting with Erica Whitman um, at MSG. And she was like, you have really great experience, but like, you don't have a ton of that hands-on collegiate or professional um, sports nutrition experience. So um, I ended up applying to SNP um, after about three years of working and a little bit of a personal story, um, kind of a mix of personal and also professional goal of like moving to Seattle and only applying to the University of Washington. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I get a phone call from Mary Ellen and she calls me and she's like, for sure I have my application. And she's like, are you sure you want to do this? And she's like, you know, it's a giant like pay cut. And like, you've been working for three years. And you, like, I had my CSSD at the time. And I was like, yeah, like, if this is what I need to do to get these interviews or these jobs, like I'm going to do it. Um, so I ended up moving to Seattle in July of 2021 um, and did the SNP program there for about eight months and working under Emma Thake and Allie Gallup there. Um, and then I that program wrapped. I moved to Miami, Florida. Um, my boyfriend got a job down there. So I moved down there, did private practice there remotely and was just kind of looking for jobs um, down there. But unfortunately, nothing ended up popping up. Um, and then I interviewed and got this offer to be the first sports dietitian at Brown. So I've been at Brown now for about four months, four and a, four and a half now. So yeah. Like, you are absolutely incredible. <laughs> like there's no one listening. That's like, like, that is amazing. And I think it's just, you know, you forget. Cause like, I feel like I know your story through like, not like your resume, but all the places totally. you've touched and you just forget like how many rejections people get. Like, I think people just see like the highlight reels or like the Instagram posts, but yeah. I mean, yeah, like we all get rejected guys. Like it's, oh my it's, God. And it, I, it's so I, I wish I could like sort through my emails and like have like a list of the amount of rejections that I've gotten in my career. Like, I think it'd be a little bit scary, but yeah. like, it's so real. Like, and I think you're right. Like nobody really talks about it. And, and for me, 
like my goal since day one was to be a collegiate sports dietitian. Like that's what I really wanted to do. And I took this job now to kind of see if this is really truly what I want to do. Um, but it took four years and I got, I wasn't even getting interviews, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's also kind of crazy. Like the power of a cup of coffee, like with Laura, like I think people don't realize even with my fellow at BC, like it just happened that she asked me to get coffee a week before I got my fellowship approved and she was a great fit. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not that easy, but you don't realize that like keep that little bit of keeping in touch. It, It does matter and go a long way. So I don't know if that's helpful. I mean, I think COVID's like over where you can like get coffee with people, but you know, yeah. like, it's really crazy. Like the power of a cup of coffee, you know? Yeah. I mean, every, I think like with the the whole Laura thing, I, I just cold emailed her. I cold emailed Meg. I cold, I, I mean, honestly, just reaching out to people on LinkedIn. I am, I pride myself in trying to, and being able to find someone's email address. Like, but like, that was what I did for basically my first year as an RD was just trying to get my name in there and trying to get to know people in the field. Yeah. 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 I think it's just a good reminder that it takes time and good things take time. For good sure. Time. For sure. Um, will you just plug the female athlete conference or program just because you were just talking about it? Because yeah. I, I'm going, but I need to register. So just give well, me a awesome. slowdown for anyone listening that wants to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm a part of the planning committee. So I'm actually the exhibitor chair of this year, which is an amazing opportunity. So we are hosting the female athlete conference from June 14th to the 16th at the seaport hotel in Boston. So basically it's a three day jam packed research focused female athlete, like initiative. Um, all of the proceeds try to go to female athlete research. Um, so really we are housing athletic trainers, sports dietitians, PAs, um, PTs, chiropractors, mental health, right? So really kind of bring everybody and also it's international, which is awesome too. So we have a ton of really awesome speakers this year. The registration is still open, in-person registration. Um, obviously that's, it, there's a cap. So definitely try to get tickets if you oh, want. I gotta, to- I gotta register then. I don't yeah. know what I'm waiting for, but I went in 2019 and it's, it's just like amazing. So yeah. Everyone should go if they can. Absolutely. Um, what about for like any early practitioners trying to break into the field um, now, like just sports nutrition is super niche. Like, you know, you yeah. want to do eating disorders, you want to do sports, maybe just taking us through, like, what's your best advice for someone that wants to do both? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the advice that I think Laura shared, I will share as well is like, if you want to do eating disorders within sport or that kind of dual niche, learning eating disorders first, forwards and backwards, I can't like um, say it enough, right? Honestly, that experience of working in a residential facility for two years, obviously you are seeing the worst of the worst cases and really having to see the highest acuity, but you really figure out how to manage them. And then being able to bring in sports second um, is a really great asset. Um, I also was working clinically at the same time. So I kind of got an understanding of like how the body responds to eating disorders, how labs are interpreted, um, how the body physiologically responds to restriction or purging or binging or things like that. Um, So I think in regards, if you want to kind of go into eating disorders within sport, initially finding opportunities to be employed in the eating disorder field. So thinking about if you are in college, thinking about dietetic or, um, what do they call like dietech positions, residential counselor positions at these eating disorder programs over a summer to gain a little bit of that initial exposure. A lot of eating disorder 
treatment centers actually will hire very, very new RDs to train them. Yeah. Um, so for me, I applied to this job. I, to be honest, like I just knew the diagnosis or the, the definition of anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating disorder. And I knew nothing else going into that job. And you kind of just got, you just get thrown in. But I think that that's the way that you learn the best is just kind of having to just be a sponge and just getting thrown into it. Having a ton of mentors in the field as well, right? Supervision was a critical part of my career and um, still is to this day. Um, really invaluable there. So thinking about continuing to have some supervision, having mentors in the field, a couple of like books that I'm happy to share in regards to learning about eating disorders. But I think the biggest thing is just trying to get that, that true, like hands-on experience working with those that the population. Yeah. I think it just goes to show like, you know, if you're in college still and like MNT, like how important it, it really is and understanding yeah. labs or your dietetic internship, even mm -hmm. if you want to work in sports it all is like, it's in your every day. Um, and right. especially with eating disorders as well. Uh, so it's, it makes a lot of sense how that foundation is important. How did you keep a pulse in the sports nutrition realm? Was it just the connections you had? Cause were you in the eating disorder field feeling like a little like left out of sports or were you like, I know I need to go in all, all I know I need to go all in and I'm going to do this little sports thing on the side just to feel still a part really? of it. What do you recommend there? Yeah. So I think initially I went all in on ED and clinical. That was kind of my first initial plan. Um, but I still, I actually was volunteering for a couple of programs like on the side. So I was kind of like doing some volunteer work just to kind of keep a pulse into it. Um, and then just networking while I was there and really selling that expertise. Cause I think that that's a huge thing in athletics now is having that eating disorder background or that foundation within athletics, right? Being able to say you're an eating disorder and sports dietitian really can be a big selling point. Um, when it comes to getting some of these jobs. So um, I think that's a big reason why this Brown job worked the best for me because it really was very, very clinical and um, the eating disorder demand was was here. Um, so I was able to kind of like continue to network and then also do some volunteer work to kind of keep a pulse in sport. Um, but then I really didn't jump into sport with ED until Laura offered me the job. Yeah, it is actually really cool that we're moving into a space in collegiate athletics that, you know, if you if your program can afford it, like you do want just an expert in eating disorder and sport and just that yeah. be the main clientele because that's yep. where we're headed. You can't yep. you can't specialize in everything, you know, like definitely not. Yeah, and I, think, yep. I mean, that's why programs are growing because we have more need. We have more demand. And I think like yep. that position is just so vital because it's you you can't do it all. And like we need someone to specialize. Yeah, totally. And I think it's really cool how like your interest in like sticking to the identity of who you are as a sports dietitian and knowing that you love that clinical. Um, we'll get into this a little bit later about like applying for jobs and kind of knowing if you're a good fit, but um, that's not something I thought about like with Brown in the sense or just like an Ivy League, yeah. an Ivy League school, but it makes a lot of sense that like it felt more comfortable for you because that's where like your strong skill set lies. So I think that's cool too, of just keeping your identity with, you know, who you mm -hmm. are, what works. Yeah, with. absolutely. Um, can you talk about your SNP experience? Because it's actually really interesting. I feel like we have polar opposite experiences. Like I came into <laughs> just like, I just kind of like lucked out on my timing. I was a new RD and it was like, apply to this program. And, you know, I just got into yeah. like that where yeah. it's so interesting from your perspective. Like, what are your thoughts just kind of going in? Cause you had four years of experience or five before you. 
I had about four. Yeah. Yeah. Can you just take us through that? Like, just like mentally or just anything that like you had to humble yourself or was it difficult or did you learn a lot that it was a perfect eight month experience? Like just take us through that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I mean, after I talked to Marianne on the phone and she was like, what are, she's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like I definitely questioned myself. Right. Um, Cause I was like, oh my God, maybe this is a dumb decision. Like, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, we laugh about it still to this day, but anyway, um, you know, for me applying to SNP, I just was getting personally frustrated. You know, I feel like I had really tried so hard to break into sport for four years. And I was like, you know what, like if this program is helping people get into these jobs or get interviews, like this is what I need to do. And I will just buckle down and do it for eight months. Right. Um, So with me kind of coming in with working for four years, having my CSSD already, um, I think that. Uh, at the time, Emma, who was running uh, University of Washington's program when I had applied and ended up going there, she was really looking for someone who did have more experience under their belt to be able just to kind of jump in. Um, I think that was one thing for me that I was happy that I did because going into Washington, obviously a lot of the collegiate stuff was brand new to me, right? The food service, the, the budgeting, the ordering, um, a lot of the coordination when it comes to fueling these athletes, um, but the counseling, the public speaking, the team talks, the eating disorder care, I felt good in that space. So I was able to kind of go into this job feeling good about some things. And then I was able to kind of like bring all that experience into one place and then still have obviously areas to learn and to grow. But I think it was helpful for me to feel confident, at least in a couple of avenues with that experience. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because I think like, you know, oh, the pay cut, but like the advantage of having experience in other areas, like yeah. gave confidence where like when I went in, I didn't know any different, but I didn't know what I didn't know, because it was just my right. first everything. But yeah. um, it sounds like you really maximized that experience, because I can see how that could be really tough. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why it's a great program because it gives you all the things that, you know, help you move on to that next step or that job. Yeah. It also was having like great mentors like the, I mean, Emma and then Allie Gallup came on board um, in November or December of, my, of the year that I was there and just being able to learn from like two incredible um, sports was a, was a was an incredible experience as well, right? Um, I was able to really, I had five teams to myself. So I was able to kind of like really run with those teams, obviously still getting supervision and still asking questions what I needed to, uh, but getting experience that I had been wanting for years. And I was like, finally getting it, you know, I think it's another important point too. Like, I think all those rejections, it's really just as lame as this sounds like the redirection, right? Because if you don't go out for those jobs, like you took the feedback of, Hey, this isn't working. I must have to take a little bit of a different avenue. And I think like, that's what not rejections, but feedback is for is like figuring out like, Hey, like I've tried this a bunch of times. Like, you know, I need to ask for help or I need a network or I need to find something else. So kind of take that rejection as redirection as much as it, it sucks. Definitely. sucks. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so I'm in, I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. Obviously it was a 3000 mile move and I was scared out of my mind and I knew nobody in Seattle. So it was, a huge leap for me. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like COVID obviously caused a lot of things that ruined a lot of things and was very, very stressful, but I also am somewhat grateful for it, which sounds really bizarre to say, but it caused a huge pivot in my life, you know? Yeah. 
If you're like me, you've definitely had athletes that experience the annoying gas, bloating, and discomfort after taking some brands of protein powders. As we all know, bloating can be a sign that your body is not processing the protein powder properly, and you're likely peeing out most of it because your gut can't absorb it. But with our friends at Momentus, that isn't the case. And this is because they've included a special patent enzyme blend in their whey protein that eliminates gas, eliminates bloating, and makes your protein more bioavailable. The enzyme blend of Momentus is called Prohydrolase, and it's been tested in research against other enzymes. It's been proven to actually deliver more amino acids to your bloodstream, which means you fully absorb the protein. Don't you want to make sure your athlete's bodies are actually getting all the protein that you're paying for? Momentus definitely does and your athletes will notice. They won't feel uncomfortable after they take it and their bodies will be able to tell the difference because they'll feel more recovered. Go check out livemomentus.com and use the code RDSNIPPET20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's R-D-S-N-I-P-P-E-T-S-2-0. Thank you so much Momentus for sponsoring this episode. What about, what's a typical day at Brown? You know, you're the first full-time sports dietitian. You know, what does that look like? You've been there for how many months? Six months? Uh, I think a little bit over four now. Yeah. Um, what's it been like? So typical day, I mean, so the interesting thing about, um, I think Ivy's in general and just at, in with the way that Brown is structured, obviously I was the first person full-time. So I got to kind of create a structure that I felt kind of blended with the way the school was functioning. Um, so the clinical demand here and obviously being the only RD that sees athletes, um, besides the one that's also in health services right now, um, Tracy, but I kind of saw that there was a ton of clinical need and obviously being one person for a thousand athletes or three, 34 different teams, I kind of have to protect that clinical side of myself. And then also being able to have enough time for projects, admin work meetings, team talks, everything like that. So um, as of right now, I have two full clinical days. So basically I see between five or six kids um, two days a week each day. And then those other three days are dedicated to meetings, administrative um, tasks, uh, collateral, thinking about calling physicians on campus, therapists, outpatient teams, um, and then team talks, and then just kind of hanging out in the AT room, going over the strength room, um, kind of getting that time, um, that FaceTime with the student athletes. But the way that it's functioning right now is that the clinical demand was so high that like I had to get going with clinical work like ASAP and like really dedicate two to hopefully maybe increasing that to three full days of that. Yeah, I love being the first full time. It's so nice. I think it's cool. I can see how it's like scary. I don't know any different really, but yeah, I think it's so cool like being able to just like you know, they don't know what they don't know. So you're like, Hey, I'm going to spend my time here. Or I like, right. you, you do have to match like the needs, but I just love that. Like, that's where your expertise lies. And like, I can see yeah. how that's a great, great fit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so now we have a question from the audience. I put out a poll on Instagram. Um, we're going to give a shout out to Katie Knappenberger for the question. Thank you, Katie. This kind of goes off of like your typical day at Brown. Yeah. Um, Katie was wondering, there's a huge athlete to sports already ratio in Ivy League. How do you make an impact? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing right now that I'm trying to do is educate to the masses. So thinking about trying to get as many team talks on the books as I can, right? Being able to sit in front of 30, 50, 60, 100 kids at one time to just 
get it out there. I've also done a ton of um, like obviously handouts and then just mass sending it out to all student athletes, all coaches, just to start to get conversations going and really try to make the messaging on this campus consistent across the board, because obviously I can't be everywhere. So if all the strength coaches and the ATs know the language that I use, they will repeat it, right? So I think the biggest thing is the education and getting that out and just kind of making that a huge priority. Um, I've done, I think I'm in the four months that I've been here, I think I've done like over 14 team talks. Like the demand awesome. is in there and everyone's excited, which makes this job awesome, right? That everyone's really excited to have me here. Um, but then I also think the clinical piece of it is really having those intimate customizable consults with these kids that makes them really feel like everything is customized to them right when it comes to that individual meeting um so i would say education is the biggest thing right now that i'm like prioritizing on top of the clinical care um just education to the masses <laughs> i love it it's so fun yeah. too because i don't know if like this side of sports nutrition it's not like it's not talked about a lot but i know there's just so many like big programs and they have five full-time dietitians and like I've never worked anywhere that has had that and I'm not saying I don't yeah. want that but there's there's weirdly such a beauty of like being the first full-time or just like that starting ground of you know you can't help everybody that the educating to the masses like it is crazy like I think I've worked places that how many teams you have 30 36 I mean that's 34 34 yeah <laughs> 31 I think UConn had 24 but it's yeah, such yeah. a weird, like, I don't know if anyone's ever talked about it like this, but like, you're creating a community as like the one dietitian, like you create a community, like everyone's going to know like what the balanced meal terms are, what a balanced snack is, because you can't yep. sit down and indiv individualize it with everybody right. um, in those team talks and you meet with one athlete and they tell their friend that it was super helpful and it spreads very quickly. Um, so I don't know, like, I just want to put like, just the, like a spotlight on like, if you're the first full time or it's a smaller school, there's so many advantages of being at a smaller school. There's so many advantages of being the only dietitian at a school. I think right. it's just how you look at like the experience and what you want, but it doesn't all have to be, I mean, granted there's the more resources you have, the more likely you're probably going to win a national championship and be right. well-fed and, well and well-supported. But um, I just wanted to like, put a special shout out to the little schools because yes. it's, you really can make an impact. Um, you just might not be like, you know, on ESPN or whatever. <laughs> totally. And I, and I think I just kind of go back to like, education is free, right? Like oh, when it's so free and I love it. A sports RD at these like programs that don't have power five budgets, right? Like you have to get so creative, right? And education is free. You can spread the messaging as much as you want. Um, we obviously are very limited in what we can provide to these kids, which I'm working on. Um, but I mean, just because your budget is small doesn't mean that you can't do all the things that you want to do or you like hope your program to be. Yeah, no, yeah. it is crazy. Like education is free. And I've always kind of like been so happy about that. You know, obviously, like you're saying, you always want more, but there is the beauty of education and life skills and um, yeah. I don't know. So just kind of like not thinking like just this one type of like area is like the only way to be successful. I think just keeping an right. open mind because like, I don't like, yeah, like there's, there's different types of like happiness in sports nutrition. And that's what's so amazing about our field is there's not just this one model of what it should look like. Like you can create your own version of success. Right. 
Yeah. And it's been so good for me to kind of leave the University of Washington where we were able to give the kids, it felt like almost everything compared to where I am at now. Yeah. Like we're struggling to even get like enough granola bars for the kids, right? Like it's a very, very big contrast. Um, but it's been so interesting kind of seeing how both athletic departments function. And obviously with with Ivy Leagues, there's more emphasis on academics versus athletics. Like a lot of these kids are obviously here for their for academics. I know they're there for for power five schools and bigger schools, but in regards to like where funds are allocated, it's very different. Um, and for me, like one thing that I love is like giving these kids the education and the knowledge to actually be independent and not rely on everything that's at the fueling station, right? Or everything that's at in their locker room, like let's learn how to grocery shop. Let's learn how to meal meal plan. Let's learn how to make a PB and J and remember that you can't get to lunch the next day. So don't get me started. You will make your own PB and J and I will not make one for you. And I will say that with confidence on this podcast. (laughs) Thank you. So Um, it's it's been like just really eye-opening to kind of see the vast differences of going from like a, like a huge program that Emma built to this where like they had nothing you know? I think it's really cool. Like all the places, um, anyone who's listening like that you've been, like when you get to your next place, I think it's awesome to like take a few things that you thought were awesome that can be implemented, but not everything will translate. Like you might leave a few things behind and probably like not the biggest, well, I didn't make a mistake, but the biggest maybe mindset mistake was, I think I was at UConn, I don't know, year two or three. And I was like, I want to be like Northwest. You know, you're like, I want my, you know, whatever. And then like, you kind of come to this weird, like realization that you're like, I want to be UConn. Like, I want to, like, I want my program to be like the best representation of like what we have and who we are. Like, not that I'm going to make it like another school because every school's different. And that's like the beauty of it, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you, Katie, for your incredible question. Great question. All right. What about, like, we're just talking about interviewing, getting rejected, or getting the offer, right? Like, what are your three best tips for someone knowing if a job is right for them or not, you know, you're interviewing or getting that offer? Yeah, I I think... I think, I mean, like accepting rejection as part of a career is so important, right? It just, it, it causes you to pivot, like you just said, right? And thinking about about that and like, it's it wasn't really meant to be and that's and that's okay. Um, I think a couple of things that kind of come to mind is like with thinking about a job offer, the supervisor that you will have, do you feel like there's someone that's gonna advocate for you that believes in what you can bring to the table, that believes in your mission or your vision that you maybe talked about during that interview, right? Um, I also think that being getting a job offer and thinking to yourself like, am I just as nervous Am I as I am excited for this opportunity, right? I think that most opportunities that I've had, a part of me has been like, terrified to go like moving 3000 miles and going to the university of Washington. Like what if this was a mistake? Right. Um, so I think that having that balance of like nerves and also excitement in regards to a job is really important. And then I think the last thing is like philosophy, right. Is the program that you're going to work for is their philosophy is the way that they have their goals laid out. Does that match yours? Right. So you're not kind of like fighting each other on those. Cause those core values, obviously, your supervisor is helping you grow. So if those are kind of not aligned, maybe you'll just be kind of in a job where you're kind of feeling 
um, like you're having to kind of battle with that type of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. I think it's super important, especially like, I think you forget when you're in the interview. I mean, of course, when you're younger, it's hard to be like, well, I'm interviewing them too, you know, <laughs> yeah. the job, but like yeah. really listening, listen to what they're saying, you know, when you ask a question or when you're like, it's, it should feel like a conversation in an interview, but listen to what they're saying, because if it doesn't match what you are passionate about, I think it can be hard too, if there's a school that maybe you were like, logo wise like wow like it'd be an honor to work here and it could get right. really, you know conflicting where you're like shoot like this seems like a great opportunity but uh, like I, I just think I mean I feel lucky that any decision I've ever made like so it was like from the gut like I never really had to write a pro or cons list um yeah I don't know I'm a big like gut feeling you either know it's right or you know it's wrong um yeah yeah, for sure. One time I did write a pro or cons list, but I never got offered the job, so that didn't matter. <laughs> oh but, my God. The, yeah. the amount of times that I, and you, and you know that thing that you do that when you're applying for a job, you start future tripping like way too much. And you're like, where am I going to live? Like, what am I, what's my life going to look like? That I'm was like, a big mistake. You got to bring it down. Yeah, know? I know. And I feel like it's all part of it. Like, I mean, after a while, you're just like, you know, Liz, you're doing <laughs> fun. You're just curious, blah, blah. Right. But it all works out. But yeah, it's also traumatizing when you're like, yeah, don't start looking up apartments. No. <laughs> I've stopped doing that because I got rejected twice and I think I jinxed myself. So I'm like, now I'm like totally paranoid about doing that when it comes to like job stuff. I'm like, do not look at apartments. Do not look at neighborhoods until you have the offer like on the table, right? <laughs> I you like the jobs I didn't get deep down like I knew I was trying to like mold who I was with who they were or just like because you want the job like yeah you just want everyone wants to be offered a job right and you so want the experience absolutely yeah you know when when it's all said and done and you get over it after a week um and you really like reflect it's really helpful and when you see who gets the job it's actually really really helpful too because I've been in situations where someone could like got the job I went out for and I'm like wow, we're totally different. Like, I guess that would have been a really bad fit for me, you know? So oh. I think just being like super curious about it. Um, but interviewing is yeah. so, it's, I don't, it's probably one of the strangest heart aching processes in America. It's, it's really tough. It's really tough. It's very draining. It's very stressful. The waiting between in-person interviews and getting a phone, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And don't I be afraid to ask for feedback because I know that's so tough. And it's so tough. Like, yeah, you could be upset about it, but like it's feedback. And yeah, it's, it's well, only that's the feedback that I got from Erica of like apply, applied to MSG. And we actually applied to the same job at MSG back in the day. So I had applied to that and I did obviously didn't even get an interview because I didn't have the correct experience. And I was like, I need some feedback. Like, what do I need to do? Yeah. And that's oh. what led me to apply to SNP. Honestly, yeah. that conversation like caused a pivot for sure. So amazing. Yeah. What about best advice you've received in your career up to this point? Anything that's kind of stuck with you? Um, I mean, I think on top of like maintaining those professional relationships, because that's incredibly essential. And honestly, every job that I've gotten has been because of a lot of my network. Um, so that's a huge thing. But then I think like uh get comfortable being uncomfortable right? Like you have to become just accepting that every single job and every single opportunity isn't going to feel perfect, but having to kind of roll with that and understand that there's no bad opportunity. There's no bad way to start a career. There's no bad 
not a perfect path, right? Um, I think for me, like thinking back on my beginning of my career, it looked pretty quote, non-traditional for a sports RD in regards to kind of like a traditional, like do step, get into an assistant job at a, at a college or kind of take that a direct path in sport or stay in sport. Um, and a lot of those initial jobs for me were really uncomfortable. Like I didn't know anything about eating disorders when I went into it. Um, but I ended up, I ended up loving it. So I think just kind of accepting that. Yeah. And I think just like, what's the right word? Not like owning up to being uncomfortable, like not enjoying being uncomfortable. But I remember when I was younger doing an experience where my vision, it didn't align with what I was doing. And it really like ate at me. And like, I just wish I took that energy and just was like more curious about it. I think the next time you're frustrated, be really, really curious about it because nothing's forever and you can always pivot, but um, right. it's a sign of like where you do want to spend your time. So, yeah. And I think also being on, like being uncomfortable in a, in a new job or a new role allows you to maybe potentially turn something that you thought was a weakness of yours into like a potential strength of like thinking about an experience of like going into like a collegiate setting for the first time and giving, having to give a team talk to like 120 football athletes and being like, I'm terrified of public speaking, but like with that confidence of being able to get into that uncomfortable space, you eventually kind of become more confident and comfortable in those situations. Right. Yeah. And that's why SNP's such a great program. Cause it's like, for sure. Things for you've sure. never done. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This rapid fire round is brought to you by Honey Stinger. I'm so excited to have Honey Stinger on the show. Honey Stinger is sports nutrition for every ambition and proudly fuels more than a thousand, a thousand college and professional teams, which is absolutely incredible. Contact team sales at honeystinger.com for samples and team pricing. Sweeten the burn with products designed to help you prepare, perform, recover, and overcome your next challenge. Honey Stinger has delivered naturally sweet and fueled options for generations to outdoor enthusiasts and athletes of all kinds. I don't know about you, but their new oat and honey bar is absolutely delicious. Made with freshly ground peanuts, oats, honey, creamy rich center, caramel rolled in toasted oats and quinoa crisps to bring decadence to your morning to start the day off strong. A great gluten-free option with 6 grams of protein. Listeners can use RD Snippets 20 for 20% off one-time offer on honeystinger.com and experience great tasting products and nutrients you need every phase of your activity. That's RD S-N-I-P-P-E-T-S 2-0. For more information about Honeystinger, head to the show notes. Thank you so much to Honeystinger for sponsoring this episode. All right, ready for the ready for the rapid fire round? Yes. Okay. You should go to female athlete conference because. Uh, because you'll get to meet some of the leading professionals in like the research world, right. In regards to sports, nutrition, physical therapy, sports, medicine, basically all in one space. And the networking is incredible. So yes, if you're yes. a networker. It's a good place to go. Okay. What's the second best Starburst flavor? Second, why not first best? Second because, best? Well, okay. this will be interesting because maybe ours are switched because I'm just okay. curious what your second best is. I would say red because I think pink is superior. That's what okay. I wasn't sure about because I think I think red is one and pink is two, but I think more people think pink is one and red is two. So I respect it. I just- For sure. Orange yeah. is definitely last. Really? I thought lemon yeah. was last. 
No. I no, you don't like the lemon. What'd you say? I said I don't mind the lemon. I definitely am not no. an orange person. Okay, so the rankings are split. I didn't know if like we all had like our, you know, I thought three and yeah. four were going to be orange and lemon, but I understand <laughs> that yours are switched. Um, string, spring drink from Starbucks. Like, do you have a spring? Are you a Starbucks person even to start? Um, you know, I am, but it's a really pricey habit to have. So I try not to, but what if I, if I'm thinking the spring, I'm a refresher is just always a good go-to. Oh, which know? one? I've never gotten one. Cause I'm like afraid. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to get. I just get this to the, the basic strawberry one. It's so oh, good. Refresher. Okay. So good. Yeah. I usually go for the green tea lemonade. Ooh. Sweetened, and that's like a nice, like happiness, okay. but so I'll do yours and you'll do mine. How about that? Okay, deal. <laughs> okay, if you had to choose bagel, English muffin, or toast, I don't know the context, but what do you, would you rank okay. each one? I love a good English muffin to be specific. I love Bay's English muffins to be really specific with that question. What is that? Ever How do you spell that? B-A-Y-S. There, it's, it's actually the English muffins are in the refrigerated section. It's a little bit tricky. Oh, yeah. So look out for that. So yeah, I would do English muffin, bagel, and then toast. Okay. Yep. Recently, I bought English muffins, and I'm not a big English muffin person. Really? Okay. It's just like Fair. the texture, but it's like nice because it's smaller than a bagel, but it's not like flat like toast. <laughs> it's not flat like toast. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but don't make this so bad. I, I don't know why I bought English muffins, but I had turkey. And so I tried to make a turkey sandwich on an English muffin. Does not, not a great combination. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it, it just kind of falls out. Of the yeah. English don't muffin. do that. Yeah. Um, best cottage cheese combo. I feel like you love cottage cheese. Is that a weird assumption? So cottage cheese with those, uh, the pretzel thins. Oh, yeah. what's that? What's that brand called? I know. What you're, I think everyone knows what you're talking okay. about. Blue but bag. like the everything bagel pretzel thin with cottage cheese is is amazing oh that's a good one okay I only know um not no but I only like um wheat thins and cottage cheese so that's mm, okay, okay. Yeah. um underrated clothing store oh these are some weird questions I I really got to thinking these are but like I I, I love the challenge um underrated yeah. clothing stores so I would say TJ Maxx but you have to have a lot of patience not me like you have to be in the mood like you know what I mean like sometimes I walk into TJ Maxx and I'm like no it's not my day today like I don't have the patience to sort through 90 racks of random clothing but if you do have the patience you can sometimes strike gold yeah so, um have you ever gotten jeans from Old Navy I have not but I've gotten a lot of summer stuff there like some like beach cover-ups and like bathing suits and things like that Jeans are amazing at Old Navy. Interesting. It's not an ad, but you guys should go. It's like, okay. weird. I don't know how I discovered it. And maybe it's like, they are good for like tall people. I'm not sure. <laughs> what should people know about Rhode Island? That's where Brown is, everyone. I think people know that. I don't know. Brown is in Providence. Um, so things to know about Rhode Island. Amazing beaches. Watch Hill Plug. Narragansett. So Narragansett, I mean, the coastline of Rhode Island is beautiful. Um, tons of awesome little, little tiny towns. Um, I grew up going to Watch Hill in like that area. So I'm a little bit biased, obviously. Uh, and that's where Taylor Swift has a house. Fun fact. Now everyone's going. 
Uh, I didn't prepare for you for this. Well, no, you weren't. This is rapid fire. Would you buy tickets to Taylor Swift's concert? Um, yes, but I didn't have the patience to to like be on the website all day. So yeah. I would have. Yes. Being the first full time dietitian at a university is fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. I think it's obviously it's a big challenge, but I also think that you are basically able to form something exactly how you see it. Obviously, resources are different, right, at every place, but you really get getting to make that first initial mark on a program, I think, is an incredible thing to be able to kind of like leave a place better than when you got there, right? Yeah. That type of thing. Drop, Mike, drop. Yeah. Ready for the last question? Yes. Okay. If you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? So I, I thought about this one a lot because I think that for me, I, and I think most RDs are very type A people. We like planning. We like being very organized. We have a vision. And I think for me, I would say like, just be okay with not having a plan and just let time do its thing. You know, I think that for me, every single time I would kind of like plan out the next one to two years of my life, some sort of wrench or some sort of something would happen or a job would pop up. And I just kind of said like, at this point in my career, I'm just kind of letting time do its thing. So I think I would just tell myself to do that earlier. It's amazing. I know it's like, as you get older, you kind of realize like when you're content with things, that's when the next opportunity comes. It's, it's when you really want it so bad. It's almost like it doesn't align at the right Right. Um, I don't know what that is. It's like timing experience, but yeah, I love that. Let time do its thing. Put your head down, do the hard work and your opportunity will come for sure. Totally. Totally. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on today. It was just so awesome hearing about your specialty in eating disorder in sports, because I feel like so many people like want to start their career, like specializing in that. And I think that's what's so exciting is like, there's not just one you know, blueprint of sports nutrition. There's so many different jobs and you can do eating disorders in sport. And I just feel like there's just so much opportunity in our future. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Where should people reach you if they want to reach out to you? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. I don't, I don't post that much anymore, <laughs> but so you're pretty famous, right? What? You're pretty famous on there, right? I was. Aren't you famous like currently or what's the right I, word? I don't know. I don't think she's, so. an, she's an influencer. I'm I'm absolutely not an influencer. You're not? I feel like you have a good following. I I I think I I think I said my guys give her a follow. What's what's the follow. um yeah, and then I mean obviously people can definitely reach out to me via email. I'm happy to I think that I got to where I am in my career because of my network. And I think that definitely just not being afraid to reach out to people just to just to connect or just to talk about anything. So I always want that door to be open. Love it. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Emily. Everyone go register for the female athlete conference. Yes, please do. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on sports already snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at sports RD snippets to see what sports RD guest is featured each week. 
I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.